And you know, we're in this series, Address the Mess. And in this series, we're talking about a couple of things. Number one, we're talking about we all have a mess and you got a mess. Say it with me, would you? We all have a mess. We all have a mess. That's what we talked about week one. And you don't have to look very far until, until we see a mess, do we? And the truth is, the truth is, as we talked about in the series, it's easy, it's easy to see someone else's mess. It's easy to point out someone else's mess. But when we begin to look in the mirror, we begin to get honest with ourselves and get honest with God. We come clean with our mess and we drop the rocks and we get the, the beam out of our eye before we go pointing about a speck in someone else's eye. And so week one, we talked about we all have a mess. Week two, week two, last week, last week we talked about Jonah. You remember, you remember that story, Jonah. And we talked about not only do we all have a mess, I mean, Jonah, what a mess, right? I mean, you're watching this and if you missed it, go back last week and watch that message. But if you saw it, you know what I'm talking about, Jonah. Uh, you wanna talk about a mess. Oh, Jonah was a mess. Jonah was running from God because he thought that God's plans were a mess. But anytime we run from God's plans, God's will, God's way, that's when it really gets messy. And he was in the middle of the water. He was in the middle of a whale. He was in the middle of a mess. And that's what we talked about last week is not only do we all have a mess, but we talked about how that God is in the middle of the mess. You know, for many people, maybe you're watching and you're like, you know, that's, that was surprising, Tim, because I didn't think that God would actually be in a mess. I didn't think that God would show up or, or God would even get near a mess. Can, can I just tell you something, friend? That's the whole reason why God came to this world is because we are a mess. We are messy. And there's something about the holiness of God that is attracted to the messiness of mankind. Because only God, only God could get us out of the mess. Only God. God meets us in the middle of the mess. And, and if we can just, if we can just get real for a minute, maybe right now you are watching and you're like, is he in the middle of my mess? Because I don't think so. Because if God was in my mess, I wouldn't still be in this mess. But you know, God, as we're going to talk about today, God has purposes in our pain and God's purposes, they always prevail. And so maybe, maybe you've been married for 15 years to the love of your life and you lost them and you're hurting and you are lonely and you are right in the middle of grief. And you are wondering why, why, why me? Why, why this mess? Or, or maybe, maybe you've been married longer than that. And the truth is that you came home to a note only to find that your spouse of a few decades is gone. 
and they left you a letter saying, I'm done. It's over. We're finished. And maybe you're wondering how that happened. Or, or maybe you're a parent and you're, you're a parent and you did your very best. You sacrificed. I mean, there were times when you worked two and you worked three jobs. You busted your tail to make ends meet, to provide for your family. And your kids have gone awry. They've gone crazy, a little cray cray. And you're wondering, where's God? Where's God in all of this? I mean, I, I, I did everything I could. I, I, I loved them and, and tried to discipline them and correct them and coach them and provide for them and protect them and went to their ball games, cheered them on. Man, they, every need they had, I, I, I did everything I could to meet their needs. And, and now they don't even call. Now, don't even wanna come home. And you're left wondering, where you messed up, what you did. Maybe, maybe it's your best friend. And the truth is you and your best friend, I mean, y'all, y'all have had years together. You've got memories on top of memories on top of memories of doing life together. And then all of a sudden something shifted and all of a sudden it's different. And all of a sudden that relationship has been broken and you're wondering Will it ever get back to normal? Maybe you're watching in this whole pandemic and the fear and all this craziness. And, and then you throw in election and you throw in, man, my finances and, and uh, oh my goodness, financially, am I gonna be okay? And you're worrying and you're wondering because right now life is really messy. Can I just tell you, can I just remind you that God shows up? He shows up in the middle of our mess. But I got great news for you today and I'm glad that you've stayed with us over this series, Address the Mess, because we're gonna find out today that God is bigger than our mess. Would you say that with me? That's right, he's bigger. Isn't that good news? Say it with me, ready? God is bigger than my mess. One more time, guys, say it. Come on, I know you're at home. I know you're watching online. Come on, say it with me. I wanna hear you. I wanna hear you all the way here, ready? Say it with me, say, God is bigger than my mess. The truth is, God is bigger than our mess. Now, when I think about a mess, and I think all through the Bible about a mess, there's one person that comes to my mind. There's, there's one mess in scripture uh, apart from, from Jesus coming to, to die on the cross for our sins and our mess, there, there, there's a story in the scripture. There's, there's a story in the Old Testament, one of the oldest books of the Bible. There's a story about a guy named Job, not Job. His name's Job. And Job, when you read that book, you realize that Job, Job had a mess. In fact, Job's life was so messed up. Let me, let me give you a little context. We're going to read the scripture together. And uh, this is found in Job. Job, right before Psalms. And we're going to read, we're going to read chapter one together. And, and we're going to find out what happened. And then all of a sudden, we're going to unpack that. And then we're going to pull out this truth that God is bigger than my mess. God is bigger than your mess. Job, Job chapter 
1. Job chapter 1. I want you to do me a favor. Would you do me a favor? Let's just stand. Let's stand wherever you're watching. If you can, if you can't do it, you're on a plane right now. I get it. Don't stand. Please don't stand. Just stay. Just stay. But if you're at home, you're in the kitchen, you're in the living room, you're there with your family, or you're watching at one of our campuses, I want you to stand up all over and let's read Job 1 together. Job 1. There was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. Man, to have God say that about you, to have God say that about me, to say that, that you are a woman, that you're a man of complete integrity. Wow, so impressive. He feared God. By the way, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so he feared God and he stayed away from evil. That's what the fear of the Lord will do. The fear of the Lord is not, is not fear that God is going to put his hand on you and hurt you. It is the, the awe, the sense of respect. And it is, it is you not wanting God to remove his hand off of your life. You don't want God to remove his hand of blessing and favor and anointing on your life. And so he feared the Lord. And this type of fear of the Lord will keep you and I from evil. It worked for Job and it will work today. It worked back then and it still works today. And so here we find out he feared God. He stayed away from evil. Watch this. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts. How many of you like a party? I like a party. Super Bowl coming up. I like a party. I like a lot of good food. Now, now stay with me because I know we're fasting. So I'm not going to start describing the food that I'm craving. But you just hang in there. Just hang in there. I promise you this fasting is going to be worth it. God is going to do so much. He's going to redeem the rest of the year because you, got, because you gave God the first of your year. But these guys threw parties. Watch. And they would take turns, seven guys taking turns, man, that's cool. F preparing feast in their homes. And they would also invite their three sisters. That, that's nice. They'd invite their sisters to come celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job, watch this, would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps... That's my word for the year, perhaps. Would you say that word with me? Perhaps. Let's say it one more time. Perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. Job prayed for his children. That's powerful. I'd encourage you to regularly pray for your children. Verse 6. One day, the members of the heavenly court. By the way, Daniel chapter 10 and Job chapter 1, they give us some insight that we rarely see in all of Scripture. And they give us some insight. It's almost like we can see through a, a crack in the door. We can see inside a little bit into heaven and into spiritual, the spiritual realm and into 
spiritual authority, being God, but then also the plans of the wicked one. Watch this. On the day the members, one day the members of the heavenly court, they came to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Now scripture tells us that the devil is the accuser of you. He accuses you. That's what he does. He accuses you. And he did it. He did it here in scripture and he's going to do it to you. But here's the cool news. When you and I accepted Jesus into our life and we trusted, we put our faith in Christ alone, the blood of Jesus washed away our sins and we are innocent in the eyes of God. Isn't that good news? We're innocent in his eyes. So Satan, the accuser came with these angels into heaven. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord. I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and he stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You've always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You've made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is, but reach out and take away everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with him. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses. That's what God says, with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting, at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabaeans raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farm hands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Now watch this real quick. Have you ever had a bad day? And it's going bad. It just seems to go even worse. I mean, just when you think you can't get any more bad, it just keeps going. And you're like, yeah, Pastor Tim, you're describing 2020. You're describing that. Um, let me tell you something. None of us have a clue about what Job went through because watch this next verse. While he was still speaking, another messenger, this number four, he arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in the older, oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I'm the only one 
who escaped to tell you. Now watch this, right before we're seated, watch this. Job stood up, tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. Mm. I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Notice the last verse in chapter one, verse 22. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Thank you. You can be seated. Job, this is, this is a crazy story. It's a crazy story for we read these verses and then for the next 39, 40 chapters, what happens is that Job's friends come around him. Now I know community groups are gonna be launching up and we do believe that life is better together. Do you know that the reason why we believe in community is because God is in community and God knows that you and I, we need each other. We need each other. We need each other when things are great so we can celebrate. And we need things when life is falling apart so that we can have people that will cry with us. People we can lean on. People we can talk to. You know what I'm talking about? To have that kind of friend, a best friend that you can say whatever and they don't judge you. Do you have those kind of people in your life? You know, it doesn't just happen. You have to be intentional to surround yourself, not just with good friends, but can I encourage you to sound, surround yourself with godly friends. And Job had some friends. In fact, in this book, we're gonna read about a couple of his friends and they did something right and they did something wrong. What did they do right? Well, the first thing they did that was right is they came to him because he was hurting. You know, whenever someone's hurting, the best thing you can do is be with them. Oftentimes the best thing we can do, it's not in what we say. I mean, have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? I, that, that's, that's a lot of my life when I get phone calls and I have to show up in a home and, and be there with a family that it seems like life has just completely disintegrated. And what do you say? What do you say to someone who's hurting so deeply? What do you say to someone that is experiencing deep, deep grief and deep, deep loss? What do you do? What do you say? Well, I think we can learn from his friends. You know what they did? They gathered around him and they didn't speak. They sat. You know that your actions speak louder. My actions speak louder. Our actions speak louder than words. People remember the people that were there for them during life's most bitter moments. And they did something right. They came around him. They wept with him. They sat with him. They mourned with him for a week. They let him cry. Scripture says that for everything, there's a season. That there's a time to laugh. There's a time to cry. 
and these guys did something right, but then they did something wrong. And next we read about in this book, we read about these three friends who comforted him, but then they cast judgment. It's kind of like week one. Remember that? We talked about the beam and the eye and, and, and how that we all are jacked up. We're all messed up. So be careful not to point a finger at someone because anytime you do that, you actually have fingers pointing back at yourself. Anytime we judge someone, we're actually setting up our judgment. So what scripture says, remember that? And now all of a sudden they cast judgment at him. Three friends, three friends, and this is what they tell him. Eliphaz, Eliphaz is one of the first ones that we read about. And he reminds Job, Job, that you are a good man, but Job, you must have somewhere gone astray, somewhere. And, and why would he say that? Well, because you and I, we, we, we understand that, that we too often think that if everything in my life is right, it's going to be a bed of roses. It's all going to work out great. We two plus two equals four. If I love God and if I serve God, I'm not going to suffer. And yet Job was a righteous man of complete integrity and he's suffering and he does not know why. And Eliphaz says, you're a good man, but somewhere, buddy, you went off the track. Somewhere you had a huge mess. Bildad was the next one. Bildad said, said, Job, I love you, man, but evidently you're getting what you deserve. Have you ever had someone say that to you? Have you ever been in a place in your life where, man, you needed someone to speak positive? You needed someone to help you. And instead of helping, like you felt like you were bleeding out. And instead of someone coming to your rescue and helping you, they actually hurt you. And I think you and I agree that, that we all have people close enough to hurt us. And, and, and why is it that in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our suffering, why is it that sometimes there's a Judas at the table? Mm. Zophar said, hey, Job, you better repent or you're gonna die because God's judgment is upon you. You better repent or die because God's judgment is on you. It's crazy. There's a couple of things that I realized from this story. I realized that we all have a question. The question is, why do bad things happen to good people? Isn't that a question we all wrestle with? Isn't that a question that we all don't understand? Why do bad things happen to good people. Like we could understand bad things happening to bad people. I mean, you and I, we watch a movie and, and you see the bad guy and then something happens to the bad guy and you're like, serves them right. But when something bad happens to a good person, we struggle and Job struggled. It's been said, maybe you've heard before people talk about the patience of Job, but even Job began to lose his patience with God. And so after these friends hurled these accusations against Job. Then Job began questioning God. He began questioning God. I mean, if God loved him, why wouldn't God stop the pain? 
And if God loved you, why won't God stop your pain? If God loves you, then why won't God deliver you from this season of suffering? And the crazy thing is God not only didn't stop the pain, but God never stopped to explain why Job was suffering. God never gave him answers for his questions. God just gave him more questions for his questions. Mm. Ephesians 1.11 reminds us that God sets the beginning of our suffering, but he also determines the ending of our suffering. And can I tell you something? Can I encourage you today, wherever you are, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're in your late 20s, you're in your late 30s and you're praying and you're waiting for that special someone and your pain isn't that you've lost someone, your pain is that that you're waiting for the right person to come. You're waiting for God to send that that guy. You're, You're waiting for God to send that girl, man, that woman of your dreams and you're loving God and you're, you're, you're obeying God, man. You're being faithful. You're doing what God wants. And it's like, God, I am battling loneliness. And, 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 and why, why God, why won't you answer this prayer? And you're in the season of suffering. Can I encourage you and just tell you that God is in the center of your suffering? You're not there alone. He promised he would never leave you. He would never forsake you. But I promise you this, God has purpose in our pain. And God's purpose is always, always prevail. C.S. Lewis said it like this, that God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience. He shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about. What's crazy about this story, Job lost everything. And in losing everything, Job didn't sin. And Job bowed to worship God. You know, the greatest thing that we can do in our suffering, the greatest thing we can do in our suffering is submit. Is submit to God. And that's what Job did. Job just surrendered and he eventually submitted to God. He questioned God. He questioned God a lot. And then God reminded him that God is bigger than our mess. Job learned so many things, but the best thing that Job learned is that God was bigger than his mess. I don't know exactly what your mess looks like. I don't know what your finances look like or your relationships, maybe your social life, your financial life, your marital life. Maybe it's your emotional life is just crazy and you feel like you... 2020, you just went off the grid. But I can tell you that God is right there. And if you'll submit and surrender, you too will see that God is bigger than your mess. Reminds us of Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for our good. 
to those who love God, who are called according to his, what's the word? Purpose. There is purpose to your pain. And could this be, could it be that your mess is actually a test? Could it be that with everything spinning out of control and, 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 and you were here in your business and then COVID happened and now all of a sudden your business is suffering, you've had to let people go or you're on the verge and you don't know what to do and you're wondering why and there's all this stress and all this pressure and sleepless nights and you're wondering where are you God because your life is a mess. God is so much bigger than our mess. You know what Job learned? Job learned that God was worthy of his trust. Job learned in all of this that God was bigger than he thought he was. Job learned that, that God could be trusted. He could be trusted. What I think is so interesting as we look at this story is that he learned some lessons. Job learns that life isn't about comfort, but about God being in control. Job learned that suffering, that life wasn't just about suffering, but life is about God's sovereignty, his sovereignty, his power, and his control. Maybe you've lost a relative and you're wondering why God, they were awesome and I needed them. Why would you take them from me? Job learned that life isn't about questions, but it is about learning to lean on the one who has all the answers. Job's life was reeling, but God was revealing who he is. And God allowed him to suffer. And sometimes God will allow you and I to suffer also. But his purpose is to produce bigger, bigger things, bigger things. His purpose is to produce, maybe, maybe it is testing, maybe it is training. Maybe God's purpose is to produce more wisdom or patience or spiritual maturity. I don't know, but in the middle of our pain, in the middle of this mess that just seems so out of control. I mean, it was clean one minute and then next thing you know, it's just all a mess. Maybe that mess is a test and maybe, maybe you and I can learn what Job learned. Let's look at some verses and we're gonna close real quick. Let's look at some verses. Job 42, last chapter. Let's read a couple verses. We're gonna read 10 through 17. So here's all the friends, here's the context. They're accusing him, they're accusing him. They're saying, you're a bad person. You went off your rocker, God's judging you, all of these things. And then there's a young man, this is kind of cool. There's a young man, Elihu, and he, he says this. He just says, shh. Hey, Job, maybe you just need to just quiet yourself and listen for God. And what's interesting is God, sure enough, speaks. You know, I don't think it's wrong to ask the Lord why. I think Jesus did on the cross. But I think the best thing we can do when we're going through a storm is keep our mouth closed. I've learned that personally. Because the easiest thing to do in the middle of the mess is open my mouth. And that's the last thing that needs to happen. 
is for my mouth to be open in the middle of the mess. Verse 10 of Job 42. So now all of a sudden God speaks up. All of a sudden God validates Job and God says to Job's friends, I've got a problem with y'all, not with Job. By the way, Job didn't do anything wrong, but you guys misspoke for me. And so you're gonna need to take some sacrifices. You're gonna need to go to Job. You're gonna need to sacrifice and ask him to pray over you and to pray for you. And when Job prays for you, I'll forgive you. That's what God, God, listen, listen, God keeps score. God keeps score. God sees exactly what is happening in your life. God knows exactly what's going on. And God can change your story like that. God can change your mess like that. God can change your suffering like that. And so Job prays for his friends. And we pick up here. Verse 10, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers and sisters and his former friends, I just think that's funny. Because when you go through a bad time, let me tell you something, you'll find out who your friends are and who those fake friends are. Because your real friends never left you. They may have misspoken, but they didn't leave you. But those fake people leave you. They, they leave you quick. And so now all of a sudden his former friends, people don't, people, hey, they want to come to a party, but they don't want to be near you during your pain. So if you got people that will stand with you in the middle of your pain, listen, you better understand there's some real friends right there. They're not fake. They're real right there. And so now all of a sudden here come the former friends. Can we have a party? Yeah, we, 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 we smelled the green egg, which you're throwing down from over there. We're here, man. Job, we knew it all, all the time, Job. We knew, man, nothing wrong with you. And they show up and his friends came and they feasted with him in his, in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because of the trials, watch this, that the Lord had brought against him. The Lord had brought against him. Here's something that's interesting real quick. What's interesting is when we read chapter one, it wasn't the devil's idea to mess with Job. It was God's idea for the devil to mess with Job. Job was searching Job, or excuse me, the devil was searching and he was patrolling and he knew about Job and he knew God's hand of mercy and favor and blessing and anointing was upon Job. And God Almighty is the one that said, have you considered my servant Job? Nothing wrong with him, complete integrity. In complete integrity. He's a man of God. Listen, go check him out. And the devil, the devil then messes with him. And in all this, Job remains faithful, not faithless. And they comforted Job and each of them brought him a gift of money and, and a gold ring. <laughs> God will leverage even fake friends to bless you. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep. He had 7,000 before. 6,000 camels had 3,000 before. 1,000 teams of oxen had 500 before. And 1,000 female donkeys, same thing. He also gave, gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. He named his first daughter Jemima. And the second, Keziah. And the third, Karen Hapuk. Say that one fast. In all the land, watch this, no women were as lovely 
In the Hebrew, that means fine is what that means. They weren't as fine as the daughters of Job. All of a sudden, Job had three fine daughters and he's blessed twice as much. Yes, he lost, but God restored and God gave him double. And watch this. And their father put them into his will along with their brothers. Job lived 140 years after that and living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died an old man who had lived a long, full life, a long, full life. Let me tell you something. I don't know of anyone in scripture that had a bigger mess than Job. He lost it all and he lost it all simultaneously, just like that, game changer. But he learned that God is bigger. He's bigger than his mess. Okay, Pastor Tim, that's great, but uh, I'm still here in the middle of my mess. And God is still bigger than your mess. He's bigger. Then your, male, then, then your marriage that's failing, he's bigger than that. He's bigger than your relationships that are broken. He's bigger than your heart that has been shattered. He's bigger than the fact that your children have run away and don't want to come home, don't want to be near home, don't want to see you. He's bigger than that. He's bigger than your business that went backwards in 2020. He's bigger than your mess. God is bigger than your mess. And I believe if you and I will do what Job did, he sat and he worshiped the Lord. I believe you and I will also see the reality that God is so much bigger than our mess. Job's view of God was forever changed. And don't you know, God allowed Job to help so many people. And I believe God allows you and I to go through misery only to leverage that very pain, that very misery, and to give you and I a ministry. Because when you have hurt like no one else has hurt, you can help like no one else can help. God's so much bigger than your mess. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? I just want to ask you right now if you would just say, Pastor Tim, I just want to surrender. I just want to submit. I just want to maybe be silent and let God know that even though I don't understand his ways, I still trust his plan. And when I can't feel his hand, I'll trust his heart. I'm right in the middle of suffering right now. But you know what? I'm, I'm just gonna surrender. I'm gonna submit to him and realize that God is bigger than all of this. Can I pray for you? God, I just pray for my friends that are literally in the middle of suffering right now and they don't have the answers. They don't understand the reasons. They're only left with unanswered questions. I pray you would help them. And I pray God that you would show up 
in the middle of the mess to teach them and to teach us that you alone are bigger than our mess. And I prayed in the name of Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, we never like to end a gathering without giving you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. You know, God came to this world because of our sin. Jesus came in the flesh. He came, he walked, he talked, but his purpose was the cross. His purpose was, watch this, his pain was our pain. His mess was my mess. And Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died a perfect death. He shed his blood, the lamb of God, shed the perfect sinless blood. And only that blood could wash away our sins. Only the blood of Jesus could forgive us and cleanse us of our sins. And Jesus paid it all on the cross. He gave us his perfection and he traded for it our mess. He who knew no sin became our sin. So you and I could be made right with God through him. He traded places and he paid for our mess, paid for our sins. And scripture says that if you will confess that you have a mess, and if you'll confess that Jesus is Lord, and if you'll believe that he not only died for you, but he rose for you, scripture says you will be made brand new. Isn't that what you need? I mean, maybe you're here in the middle of this mess and what this mess has done is gotten your attention before you were too proud to need God, before you were too rich to need God. But this divorce is kind of shaking things up. And now all of a sudden God has your attention and God's saying, come, I love you, come, come. And maybe today the greatest thing you could do is just cry out in the middle of your mess. Just cry out to him, put your faith and trust in Jesus, in Christ alone. You can't get there by being good. We get there because Jesus was perfect and he took our place. So at this time, I wanna lead you, everyone here watching in our gatherings and everyone watching right where you're at online. I wanna lead us in what we call sinner's prayer. And we're gonna pray this together and we're gonna pray it to God. I'm, you're not talking to me. You're gonna talk right to God. We're gonna go live, all right? So you're not praying to me, nor are you praying through me. We're gonna talk right to God. And, and this is gonna be amazing because you're gonna confess that you're a mess and you're gonna confess that you need him to forgive your mess and you're trusting him and him alone to make you brand new, all right? So repeat after me, would you? Would you say, Jesus, I'm a mess. We both know it. I confess I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I accept your love and all that comes with it. Thank you for loving me, bleeding for me and dying for me. I believe you rose again on the third day for me. And I declare Jesus is Lord 
Jesus is now my Lord. I give you my life and I receive your life. Now teach me how to live in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you did that right now on on the count of three, if you're here live, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to hold it up high. If you're watching online, I want you to text us. Jesus made me new. Text us 850-296-7344. Jesus made me new on the count of three. And we're gonna clap. We're gonna celebrate because heaven's already celebrating you. Are you ready? On the count of three, here we go. One, two, three. That's right. 